to the On The Line Tennis Podcast, episode 32. It's myself, Jack, and it's my co-host. Gavin, yeah, good to be back. Plenty to discuss this week. Plenty of tournaments going on in all different parts of the world, as ever. And two ATP 500s. So yeah, we've got, yeah, he's right, at Falcon Dubai. Yeah, we had Doha on the women's side, which is a WT 1000. Mm-hmm. We had Santiago at 250 and a Guadalajara, Guadalajara at 250 as well. So the lower, lower tier tournaments for Gav as well. Oh, you gotta love them. Yeah, okay, right, we'll start with Acapulco because the, probably the biggest news of the week is that Medvedev became number one in the world after Djokovic lost in Dubai. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you feel about that, Gav? Brilliant, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's the first time there's been a new number one that's not been the, one of the big four since 2004, I'm correct. Yeah, 18 years, I think, an 18 year stranglehold. Yeah, so it's good to see. I guess you could say officially that finally the next generation sort of broken through that to get to a number one in the world. Um, and yeah, it's great. I, mean, I think it just emphasises that once the big four do retire, tennis is going to be in a great place. You know, it's not as if the sport's just going to die or sport. A lot of people on Twitter in particular, they have these dramatic takes that, oh, the sport's not going to be the same and all that, but it's going to be in a great place. So uh, great to see them get, get number one. It's going to be a lot more... Like the WTA, probably. I, I it will think. be. <laughs> well, Carlos is going to be going back to the nineties, where it's going to be a new winner every. I mean, fair enough, but Barry's the Djokovic of the WTA tour at the moment, and now we're Djokovic less than the ATP tour. So maybe they've just had a, a switching, <laughs> switching, yeah. switching round, basically. Yeah. Gab, do you fancy a wee uh, quick quiz before we 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 go on? Oh, I'm guessing I'm going to have to. I just think. one question. It's literally just one question. Okay. So so okay. The, the the question was going to be: Can you name the last? Eight world number ones before Daniel Medvedev. We starting backwards. Starting backwards, yeah, yeah. Well, a certain Mr. Novak Djokovic uh, is going to yep. be number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, before Novak, pool, well, it would have been Rafa, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rafa. And then if we go back, would it be Roger? Did Roger get to number one after his Australian Open wins, etc.? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to be Murray, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So then at that point, you've got those four. So then you mm-hmm. go back to the first time because you, you know nobody else has been number one since Roger first became number one. So now you're looking 2004 and, and before, basically. Well, I'm going to... Andy Roddick, did he get number mm-hmm. one? Yep, uh, yep. Leighton Hewitt must have been number one. Leighton Hewitt is one. Barrett Safford? A little bit too far back. I'll tell you that he is just outside of your eight. Just Yeah, yeah, okay. Was Quirton number one? Was that been Quirton was one, yep. Was Quirton it one? Was one. Oh, I thought I'd be mm-hmm. a bit late for Quirton, but... Uh... Okay, so two more. Um, Agassi. Yes. Yeah. And then we're looking for one more. Um, Last one's a bit harder. See, I was going to say Marcelo Rios, but I think he might have been number one bef- way before. Because I think he made yeah, the way before. Australia in 98. He was the only number one not to win a slam. Um, yeah, it was slam. 98. He was number one, yeah. I'll give you a clue. He's a coach on tour. Oh, yeah. Carlos Moya. No, no, no. No, not close, but no. <laughs> Same country. Oh, Ferrero. One call. Ferrero, Ferrero. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got Ferrero, it. Yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yeah, I thought you had it. It's when you said Carlos and then. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was tough to be fair. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Seven, I'll take seven out of eight. Uh, well, you kind of got that last. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done. Yeah. Good, good clambering because that's a tough tough question I think um, yeah I mean yeah just stresses the point that obviously since 2004 there was like four different number ones and then you mm-hmm. go back like 
a year before 2004 and there was also four different number ones it's like <laughs> the dominance of the big four doesn't it yeah exactly it's absolutely mad i, th- I think the f- first place we can or we'll, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about acapulco then but we'll talk about maybe yeah. this match with them down a second i think the first thing that sort of happened in that tournament though we'll cover now uh, was zerev's disqualification from the tournament yep. you went loco and acapulco that's yeah. Really <laughs> yeah, listen to that song all week and yeah, <laughs> certainly sum it up uh, yeah look I mean I, first thing to say was I guess on the Mondays Vera was involved in that epic with Brooksby that was at 5 o'clock in the morning I've seen some people wrongly try and use that as a reason for his outburst which is just ridiculous uh, but it's yeah. worth mentioning that that first plenty game. plenty of tired players on court. I will just exactly. say that, and that was the first day in that new stadium, and the match times were three hours fifteen, three hours twenty, and three hours twenty one, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Um, five a.m. and there's still a packed stadium. I mean that that tells you that's dedicated hardcore fans there. I mean, yeah, great to see. That's um, good to see, yeah. But yeah, it's very but complete, completely overshadowed by this. Yeah, totally yeah. outrageous. It is outrageous. I think it's the it's certainly the worst incident I've seen in a tennis court. I mean, even when you look at McEnroe and you look at Connors back in the seventies, he didn't, you know, start whack- smashing the racket against the chair. I mean, he was literally that post hitting the umpire's knee or his leg. You know, it was very much like Nobandian at Queens in twenty twelve. But I thought but, it was actually worse. Yeah, it's way worse. Yeah, I mean, Nobandian didn't the racket repeatedly. You know, what I mean, it's yeah, not yeah. just one kick. It's like and he came back. He came back for more. You know, he wasn't mm. Nobandian wasn't hitting anywhere near a line judge in his mind. You know what I mean? He was just yeah, kicking just like, something. Yeah, kicking it. Yeah, but in fact, it was like four or five big swings at the chair, and it was like literally, it was as if he was intending to, you know, hurt the umpire. The way he yeah. was, it wasn't just, you know, if he wanted to hit the chair, he could have hit it at the bottom of the chair if he didn't want to to cause any harm. But I think he did. I mean to cause it looked like that to me as well. Yeah, yeah. It does and I'm actually I'm not really encouraged by ATP tours response being honest. I mean they're chucking them with a fine and they're investigating forty K. Yeah. But what is there to investigate? You know, the clip's five sec ten seconds. You've seen what he's done. You don't need to investigate it. It's, there's it's been other clear. there's been other investigations opened about Zverev in the past mm. that haven't been updated in months ATP tour. Yeah. So uh, just it's, you know I mean it's ridiculous really because <laughs> I think tennis has got a problem in, you know, if somebody smashes the racket, instant, you know, they come out with a fine. This is more serious than that. You've got to have suspension for this because you've got to yeah. define the two. I mean, smashing mm-hmm. a racket, you're not hurting somebody. Yeah, it's not great, but at the end of the day, you've it's not, not a big deal in comparison to smashing, but trying to hurt an umpire. You I mean, could. That, that's got to be a suspension. I think, I think part of like smashing a racket says you could hurt somebody. If you're not careful, sort of thing, you know, mm. and that, that's the point. You, uh, same as you know, like ball abuse. If you smack a, a ball away and that's it could hit yeah. a, a line umpire's throat, for example, guess, that's why those there's things no, are in no place. Intent, there's no intent that's, to hurt there. Yeah, that's my, that's exactly my point. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no intimidation factor. There's no nothing. Um, a few comparisons I would draw, and I think this is why the AT Putter will want to make an example as well. If there has mm. been stuff that's happened in the past that people have got away with. Mm-hmm. Fanini verbally abusing umpires, obviously he got a bit of a fine, but I don't think he got suspension from the tour. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Jared Donaldson squaring up I to an umpire in Monte Carlo? That match and, um, that, that that's was... quite similar in that he's intimidating the umpire. It's, I think Donaldson's ver- verbally was worse than Zverev. You know, what yeah. Zverev did. Zverev was swearing there, but you know, Donaldson was like proper that I mean were probably worse verbally. But he didn't have the physical thing that's very hard. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think, yeah, you're right to compare that. 
But and and Pliskova smacking a racket off the umpire's chair. That was that was an interesting one. Um, yeah, that that didn't result in a suspension, did it? It was. It didn't. No, no, that kind of just got looped past. Again, all of these examples kind of Zverev is the worst of all of those worlds in that he not only did he attack the umpire, there was sort of a intention to mm. attack the umpire, I guess. Whereas yeah, all right, of those... he came back for more. He had like a few initial swings. Yep. Went down, came back for more, and. That, you know, it's clear suspension. It's like you see how Kyrgios has been treated in the past. He had a suspended suspension, didn't he? Um, yeah. He's given that. He's got to be. I think Zverev's got to be given at least that, if not more. Um, but will the tour have any gumption? I'm not so sure. Don't know the match win as well would have been a anything drop in the ocean, ocean for him. I just like mm-hmm. I don't get it at all. I don't know. The reaction just wasn't merited at all. So I, I think. You know, I, I just I don't think these guys should be getting away with this. To be honest, no, I agree. It's got to be suspension. A fair suspension, definitely. We'll move back to the tennis, though. Yeah. So the semi-finals of Acapulco were both amazing. I really enjoyed both matches. Mm-hmm. We'll start with we'll start we'll start with Cam Norrie says pass because I think it's fair to say that was a little less exciting than the other match. It's still it's still good, but it's, it's definitely yeah. it's definitely yeah. less exciting. Did you have much of it? Did you catch Cam? Yeah, so so a lot of it. I, I think it's really encouraging that um you know after Cam's slow start to the season, I was a bit concerned, thinking, oh no, is he going to have that sort of second year period after a player has a really good first year? Of are they going to struggle in the second year? Yeah, but um I think you know this week really showed, and last week in Delaware Beach where he won the title as well. You know he's he's really a quality player and he's here to stay. You know that's the big thing for me. He's here to stay. His spot serving, I think, even though he might not have the most pace to serve. He's a great spot server. He hits his spots. He's accurate. He doesn't beat himself with errors at the back. Um, and I was really, really impressed against Sitsipas. Uh, I thought he was excellent, especially after getting the break, how easily he held serve after getting the break, you know? Because a lot Actually, of he could be edgy. I think the only thing comparable possibly is his match win against Rublev in Cincinnati last year. I think... Maybe Batista Lagoon Rublev... Davis Cup, though. I would say maybe... Yeah, he, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. But I, again... That was a very weird match, you know, on clay as well. Mm-hmm. RBA is not the the the, the best player on on clay. Also, it's at the start of his career. It was kind of like a, a breakthrough victory. Okay, yeah. it's it's yeah. big for different reasons. Is my point. This is more beating. You know, this this guy sits a pass. Has just yeah. made the the semi-finals of Australia. Mm. I think to underrate him on any surface is is, is silly. Maybe grass still. Finals in Rotterdam as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the guy was playing really well in hard course, mm. definitely. And he won the doubles title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like to, to to beat him in straight sets, I think that's only the second or the third top 10 win of his career. Fourth? I don't know. Uh, close to that anyway. He hadn't, he hadn't beaten many top 10 players in, in, in his in his career. This this was a massive deal for me because well, I really, I didn't, I didn't give him much of a chance for Monica. Neither did I. Neither did I. What I would say is Sitsipath had some weird tactics. Mm. Now, I, I don't know if you can figure out why he was doing this, but I have a theory. Okay. Sitsipath was serving to Cam's forehand like pretty much exclusively for the first set, and then he kind of mixed it up a little bit in the second set, but he still primarily went for, for Cam's forehand. Mm-hmm. For me, Cam Norrie is going to find the court a lot more often with that high loopy spinny forehand than he is yep. the backhand I kind of think Sitsipas just shied away from that shot generally because he didn't want to well he doesn't want to play the the shot from his toes right you know he doesn't want he doesn't yeah. want to pick up that horrible backhand I mean, it's, it's different isn't it I mean I think you know 
sometimes players serve into the strength in order to try and break that down and they feel if they can break down the strength then they can you know attack the weakness but I think you're right I was surprised you know why would you serve into Cam's forehand when you, you know he's going to make a high percentage of balls? You're right with the high top, high amount of top spin he hits with. That's the percentage shot he's going to make more times than not in the court. His backhand's so flat. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get big serves into the backhand and he starts missing, you're going to get a lot more free points. You know, free quick points. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think he kind of did recognize that a little bit in the second set. He was mixing up a wee bit, but he, he still. So long to... Yeah, he still. I know he, he still made some really odds. It, like, it looked like a lot of the rallies went to rallies because Cam had already anticipated where the serve was going and it kind of took away a lot of his serving advantage, basically. Point is, sits past tactically, mentally, a little bit rusty. Mm-hmm. Full credit to Cam for taking advantage, though. One thing I would say about Cam as well, I think we, I remember saying on the podcast once, if I see Cam hit more than two inside-out forehands in a match, something is completely changed in his game. He went for a lot. Like, he really yeah. did. And yeah, maybe that is a big change he's made over the, the, the last year. I don't even know if he was doing it in Indian Wells when he won, to be honest. I don't think he was, much, from what no. I remember. No, he, I he, to- he totally ground out his opponents. Like mm-hmm. He was actually quite aggressive in this game. And mm-hmm. I think that's a change, being able to flatten out that forehand a wee bit from the you know bit more rainbow, massive, crazy shape he had on it before. Anything flatter <laughs> than that is ideal. So Absolutely. yeah, he's, ma- he's making changes, Gav. Mm, it's good to see. It's good to see, yeah. Good to see. We'll move on to the final in a second. I think the match of the tournament for me, the 6-3, 6-3 victory for Nadal over Medvedev. Yeah, the second set was that a 19-minute game. Nadal yeah, something played, like that. Yeah, but well, the, ridiculous amount of break points. There um, was two close to that. I mean, one of them was 24 points, the other one was 18 points. Yep. So, so 42 points over two service games. I mean, Crazy, yeah, yeah 11, 11 break points, Gav, yeah, you're right. Rafa's looking good, isn't he? I mean, he's looking really, really good. I mean, he's looking all right. Yeah, I've got to say, <laughs> he is I looking know. all right. I have a very short sort of analysis of this match. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very different from Australia, of course. Acapulco was is far slower than Australia, certainly. A lot of Medvedev's serving, you know, um, advantages that he'd normally get was taken away. Yep. Nadal pretty much able to make every return he got a racket to. Mm-hmm. For the first set, though, I mean, it was they were both six three six three, and the second set was two breaks to serve. But the first set was far less close than the second set. I mean, the first yeah. set, like Medvedev barely winning a three point on serve, a lot of serve and volleying, which I didn't like. I mean, I, I don't, I don't. Yeah. He's not. He's not good enough to serve and volley yet. He just doesn't. I. I, I mean, how many of them did he fluff? It's just not like his strength, is it? I mean, it's, he's better at the back. You know, he's better. He's a far better player at the back than he is at the front of the court. Uh, that's something he has to work on his volleys, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was disappointed after the match when he said something like he couldn't find the energy or he couldn't, you know, something along those lines. I can't remember the exact quote, but I'm thinking, you've just found out you're world number one. You're playing the guy that beat you from when you were two sets love up in the Australian Open final. Surely you've got to be desperate. You've got to be, you know, pushing yourself to get out in the court and get revenge on him. Surely. I mean, yes, yeah, certainly the first set, I, yeah, guess, I would, yeah, I would yeah, 100% agree thinking. with that. Trying to shorten the points when there wasn't much grounds to shorten them, basically. Yeah, it just it looked like it smacked a wee bit of desperation. I'm just like, well, come on, this, you've got to have the energy for these matches. I mean, you're, you're world number one. You've got to try and get revenge on Rafa. You've not got a particularly great record against him in the past anyway. I think he's only beaten him once. And it's like, you've got to you, you've got to show a wee bit more. You know, I just wanted a wee bit more from him. I was disappointed in that press conference really afterwards. Cause, I know. I mean, the dad was well up for it. 
Yeah, just compare the attitudes. You know, Nadal is willing to go through hell every single time to mm-hmm. get points. You see Medvedev trying to shorten points at the start of the match, just thinking, nah, just come on, just almost like play properly, you know, do yeah. what you do best, you know. Don't yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think I think one area that, that Nadal was forcing Medvedev to, to up his game was the backhand down the line, and certainly for most of the first set, he wasn't able to hit that shot as easily as he would have liked. But mm-hmm. it's a shot he can hit. It's definitely a shot he can hit. Oh, like, it, Okay, it's a change in tactics. It's a change of what he is comfortable with. You know, he prefers mm. to go cross all the time. And he was doing that in Australia because Nadal would have less time to set up that bit beforehand. Yep. But here, I mean, Nadal was ripping it every time he got the chance, you know, yeah. or at least looping it to the point where, you know, Medvedev was pushed off court and he was forced he into a really court. uncomfortable yeah. position. Yeah. You know, he, he did start hitting that backhand down the line. He's capable of hitting it. I think it does take a lot. It, it basically means you are admitting to Nadal you're going to have to play big long grindy points but yep. as you say you know I think he's capable of that it was disappointing to see him not doing that I'm just surprised that you can't find the energy surely that's the match that you wouldn't struggle to get energy for you know mm-hmm. trying to get your revenge on the guy that denied you a second Grand Slam title it was an epic match though and also I, I credit to him in the second set because those drop shots were doing damage like they actually yeah he made it far closer but yeah, it looks three and three doesn't look particularly close, but yeah, it right. doesn't. Second set is closer. Could be one of the best free free matches of the the season, probably. Hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Nadal extends his winning streak to whatever it is, like a hundred yeah. matches in a row, whatever. I don't yeah. know. Uh, <laughs> not. Any, I mean, it might actually only be what fifteen. Something, Something like, like that. that. Yeah. Um, Nori v Nadal. Gav, you have to fill me in a wee bit because I got better at this. Well, I thought going into it, I must admit, I know Nori's been playing well, but I just thought Rafa, with the confidence that he's got and uh, sort of, you know, how well he's been playing, I didn't think Nori would have much of a chance. And to be fair, it did pretty go as much as expected, you know, 6-4, 6-4, you know, he got the break at the first set, Nadal, and, you know, was able to serve out relatively comfortably. Second set was interesting because he got the double break, double mm-hmm. break up, and it looked like it was going to be 4-2. and two. But to Nori's credit, he fought back really well, got the break back. But, you know, when you're two breaks down against Rafa, it's going to be very, very difficult to come back, you know. But he did show a bit of fight, Nori, which I was impressed with. I think, fundamentally, it sounds very simplistic, but it's just that was a better player, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's just I mean, as I expected to be, yeah, four and four is a bit as well, predictable a scoreline as you could get. Yeah, I mean, it? It, was, it was like, what, one hour, 56 minutes for your four and four. So it was a hard fought four and four. It was like Nori made him work for it, but when push came to shove, Nadal was just better player, you know, ultimately. But better play to Nori. Uh, as I said, I thought I was very worried for him after watching that match against Corda at the Australian Open. Seeing him at the ATP Cup, he looked knackered. Now mm-hmm. he looks refreshed. Now he's playing back to his best and he can have just as good a season, if not better than last season, I think. Well, it's going to be a good few months for him. Obviously, Miami may be the exception to the rule, but Indian Wales, mm-hmm. nice slow hardcore, a bit of clay Eight coming courts. up, obviously. Clay, it's it's going to become Norris Hunting season. Definitely. And, well, more importantly, the Dals, obviously. obviously oh, this doesn't yeah. help anybody on tour. Um, yeah, the Dals looking amazing. Credit to him. I'm excited to see how well he can do this season because at, at the moment he's making more history and I like people making history. Should we move on to Dubai? Let's move on to Dubai. Where to start with Dubai? Um, Umbrella Gate. Umbrella Gate, yeah. First match, up, yeah. First match of the week. <laughs> Uh, Marin Chilich doing a Marin Chilich against uh, Vesely. Uh, I, I'm a big Chilich fan in case 
you know, listeners don't know, but uh, I, even I thought he was ridiculous with this. He was basically second set tiebreak. They'd been playing for what an hour and forty odd minutes, or forty five minutes, something like that, or forty eight minutes or something. And uh, basically, Kilic missed a forehand, I think, and he goes to the umpire and he rants about this umbrella in the wind. He goes, "You've got a pair of sunglasses on. Why do you need an umbrella?" And I'm just like, "Man, you've been playing for an hour and three quarters, and you've not once mentioned the umbrella, mate." I mean. Come on. I mean, even for me, I thought that's a bit much, man. I, I did find it a little bit. It was the sound of the umbrella and the wind that it was, it was, it was bothering. Yeah. <laughs> as well. He's, he had a proper yeah. run. I mean, he had a proper run. I mean, man's got a point. I don't know. Like, why does he need a, an umbrella? <laughs> why does he, he need just gets commissioned for like, the sunglasses that umpires wear. <laughs> maybe he's desperate to advertise them. He's like, you've got these sunglasses. Yeah, that's, good. that's probably yeah. true. You know, <laughs> It smacked the desperation, but I, I thought that would be the most frustrated we see a player on the court this week, and it was nowhere near. Uh, yeah, as a result, mm-hmm. but it was hilarious. Great. Yeah, it got start. overshadowed by by more pressing matters. You're quite right, but yeah, yeah umbrella was, game it was hilarious. I mean, Still one to watch. <laughs> I know, obviously, he was he got beaten by somebody seemingly innocuous at the time, but wow, mm. this guy did quite well, um, considering. Yeah, it was like a throwback to 2016, really. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, Jury Vesely made the final of the tournament. We'll get on to more of his matches in a second, actually. A few more first rounds, though. Very briefly on Andy. I really, yeah. you know, at this point, it's tiring me. But... <laughs> yep. Uh, first match of, of his of his tournament against Chris O'Connell was uh, tiring. I just, want, I just wanted to shout the TV, being honest. Yeah. I just wanted to show the TV. I'm just like shorten the points, shorten the points, shorten the points. Okay, every, everybody, every fan and their dog is thinking the same thing at this it's point. A fast it's like court surface. He's not playing in bloody clay. It's like yeah. it's like turning into John Millman with some of the no offense to John Millman, but it was like that sort of style at the back. It's like oh, it's head and hand like, stuff. Why, why, why decide to forego your clay season if you're gonna play every point like you're exactly, on a paper? Yeah. And that's no disrespect <laughs> to John Millman, but it is stuff like you know he's hitting the ball back. But there's no real intent. For the winner, he's, he's, just, he's just hitting the bats. Andy Murray is no John Millman, quite frankly, and I'm not afraid to say that because John Millman is one of the fittest guys on tour. Yeah, John Millman, exactly. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Why are you trying yeah. to play like John Millman? Yeah, yeah you're quite right. That's what I mean. Millman now. It's like, come on, man. I mean, yeah, it was, and it, and it was never ever going to work against Yannick Center, and you know, no, five and two. It was surprising, uh, and even though he came through O'Connell, I, I was thinking he's he's doomed for his next match, and he was. Mm-hmm. He was. Yeah, playing like that. That's Absolutely. why I've said in this podcast, I think he should play doubles, but I'm not going to go on that rant again. Just my yeah. opinion. I think he'd do better playing doubles, but the serve yeah. the serves the bit of his game that it seems to change every other match. So mm-hmm. that's why I kind of have sort of faint hope in the back of my head that he can change it up a bit at the moment he's kind of in limbo though we'll see what happens with his coach and stuff again I don't want to get too much into that just we'll see what happens I've talked about it a lot this week I don't want to talk about it anymore (laughs) so I'd like to talk about Sinner very quickly because yeah this is one of the first matches of his career in fact I think it is the first match of his career where he's saved you see three or more match points in a match and won the match that against was yeah Alejandro Davidovich Fakina. I was impressed with that because there was one rally where obviously the ball scraped the, the net and he did get a tiny bit lucky maybe but then he came up with a massive backhand I've mm-hmm. said it before I'll say it again the guy is made of steel and that's why technically game wise I feel like I'm more impressed with Alcaraz but as it stands Mentally, I'm more impressed with Yannick Sinner, and I, I think that could be the difference between 
Yeah, you know, I mean, ascending and not much, ascending. They're both much for much. Uh, you're right. I think Alcaraz in Paris, when he played Hugo Gaston, mentally showed that there was some way to go. But then he, he fixed that when he won in Rio. He won his first ATP 500 in Rio. Was he ever week. under pressure, though? You know, he was just playing every point, like every point. Yeah, but, but what I would say is that he had to, you know, due to the rain, he had to deal with the rain interruptions and come back. And yeah, that's true. Matches, so mm-hmm. he, he was able to handle those circumstances. You're right, Sinner's made a steal, and particularly, I think that was the first match he played without Piatti, wasn't it, in his corner? Yes, and it, it didn't bother him. He had to deal with a lot of that, you know, press, speculation, and he, he came out with it very, very well. The video was Fakina. And I think he had like some of the worst service statistics over the past couple of seasons. Um, mm-hmm. I do quite like the guy, though. He's sort of like a Rublev in terms of the passion he shows every bloody miss that he makes. You know, it's quite. Yeah, funny. yeah, I know. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Felt a bit bad for him because he, he did, you know, he played really, really well in the first two sets. And then, yeah, sort of came back. Stepped up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was brilliant from Sinner anyway. Really liked to see. I'm a bit of a Sinner fanboy nowadays, so I loved it. And I think we will talk about. Djokovic losing to Jerry Vesely instead because that was quite a big story, obviously. Well, just, it? just a small story that one, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay. First, first thing I would say, hmm. Gav, is that Vesely does actually have a little bit of a weapon that can hurt Djokovic. So it's not just hmm. like two crazy random wins plucked out of thin air. You know, Vesely has the weapon to trouble Djokovic. Fine, nobody. Is going to expect Vesely to have won twice out of two times, but mm-hmm. I am not surprised the matches were close. You know, yeah. the matches could have been close and he could have lost, sort of thing. It, it was always going to be difficult. Vesely's got this crazy backhand return, so flat. Oh. Okay, Djokovic's second serve isn't a weakness, but nobody really takes advantage of it. And mm. Djokovic likes to serve to the forehand in the ad court. This is important because obviously Vesely's backhand is on that yep. side. Yep. Vesely can easily attack with that off return. Not easily. I don't know. I've, he was definitely peaking this week. In the light. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's not an easy shot to keep pulling off. But he was doing it like, you know, he, he was doing it every day on yeah. court, basically. For, for me, it was kind of interesting because he, he's played two big servers. He played Hashinov the day before and uh, he beat Hashinov. You know, the second set was a great set. You know, I really enjoyed that. But what I noticed was Hashinov wasn't getting the location in his serve quite right in the first set. So he's hitting with pace, but he's not hitting the spots. I thought Bessley served impeccably well in that mm. first set. Okay, he got broken once, but this is the greatest return of all time we're talking about. And the way he was consistently able to locate his serve with pace, that really, yeah. really impressed me. And his returning was great, as he said, as well. Yeah. He's a big ball striker. Fair play. I think Novak said after the match, he just played better than me. And uh, he, even though Novak got back into that tie break, it was a double fault that the killer, you know, how many times yeah. Novak serving a double fault? In the yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I did, I saw a bit in this though as well. You know, again, basically returning so well, mm. you got to give credit to the man because Djokovic, given the chance to not hit a double fault, is not going to hit a double fault, if you know what I mean. He yeah. had to be under impression, really under some pressure, yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. So, I, all credit to Vesely. How on earth he beat him in Monte Carlo? I <laughs> cannot remember that from six years ago. I've got no fucking clue how he did that. Because big, massive, flat, hard returns mm. work perfectly on a fast court like Dubai, but in Monte Carlo, must have just served amazingly. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, watching them here, it made you know, like obviously you saw the match unfold. It it made sense why Vesely was doing so well. I guess at the same time, the rally temperament of the guy to hang in those like massive long rallies and win yeah. them at the end. Yeah. That 
you know, that's still incredibly jaw dropping. You know, there's, yeah. there's no way to sugarcoat it's that. It's a really deadly. good match, actually. Really good match. Yeah. I also in the last ten years I sort of did a bit of digging on this because I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay, you know, lefties can I take away that backhand cross court for Djokovic? Maybe that's the kind of player he struggles against. Mm-hmm. It's not the case at all. The last ten years it's been Nadal, obviously. Yep. Feli Lopez took that one win in Dubai as well, I think. And Vesely is the only other guy to beat him. Yeah. That's been left handed in the last ten years. So Yeah, it's it's just an oddity. It's bizarre. Yeah. I mean, Vesely, I think it says it all when you see the list of opponents Vesely beat this this week. You know, Chilich, RBA, Joko and Chapo and Fast Harcourts. Yep. <laughs> qualifying as well. Yeah, and qualifying, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, those four opponents on, on past Harcourts, I'd have expected them to lose in straight sets to all four of those guys. So, yep. yeah, fair play to him. Seriously. It, it's actually unbelievable. It's a seriously, <laughs> it's, seriously good run. Like, I, I hope it does well again. This year, you've got Lehechka making the semis in Rotterdam and you've yeah. got Vesely final. In- I know, yeah, yeah. It's mad. Rublev v. Harkats, we can cover that as well. Yes, we can. Don't know how much what you saw, but I thought after the first set, her catch was looking really good. I actually, pretty much too early, predicted them to win the title. I thought after that first set, I was getting really excited. I thought, this guy's serving bombs, yeah. dominating from the back. He's not losing this. And then he lost it. <laughs> yeah, Rublev was a strange one this week. You know, against Kwon, he drops the first set. Against Evans, he didn't play his best uh, against McDonald. He drops the first set and he was so negative in his post-match interviews on court. It's quite funny. He goes, I didn't expect to be here. I arrived at 2am on Tuesday. I, didn't I was just like, I'm so day. knackered. I'm, I'm so sorry. knackered. I'm tired. I'm playing rubbish pretty much and I'm winning. And then, I know. Yeah. I mean, it just... He's a funny guy. Him. Very endearing. I've got funny to say. Guy. I just love the boy. I just think he's he's worth watching just for the boy alone. Um, he just he basically I I mean his press conferences are really good because he's, he's mm. quite in depth with what he says. But I saw yep. one that kind of sums it up. You know when he just went into the whole match point by point basically. Yeah. Kind of said how addictive tennis is in general. You know like how it hooks you basically. Mm. The guy might be knackered, but he is so up for it every single time he comes on court. I tell okay. You. What was hilarious in that match, the catch match, was after the first game of the match when he got broken, he smacked the ball into the stands, like out of the stadium. After the first service game of the match, just hilarious. Yeah, I saw that. Three minutes. I saw that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> three, three minutes in. Minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Slightly longer than that. Just, uh, um, he's, he's very lovable, I've got to say. But, oh, my God, for him to come back... From another set down, I've got yep. another match from another set down. Against her catch. He's yeah, against her catch. Interestingly, third set tiebreak record for both guys. So Rublev now extends his to 11 5. Yep. Her catch drops down to 2 8. Yeah, he Yeah, exactly. You, 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 you bring yeah. up recent ones, obviously, like Djokovic in Paris as well. Do yep. you remember? Paris, yep. Yeah, so there's been a few recently, certainly. Bit of a stumbling block. I don't know. It's always kind of just a dice dice roll, isn't it? Return the serve for me needs to improve, and you can still make those errors in the forehand side and side out forehand. Um, yeah. He needs to polish that up, but he is. He played really well this week. Like to be fair, Rublev, I thought he was very, very smart tactically in the final set tiebreak. I knew so when to go into the mm-hmm. catch forehand, and yeah, he, he was clutch. He, he was better in the big moments. So. Got to respect the guy, and in the final, he was equally impressive against Vesely. I mean, Vesely mm-hmm. was having a great week, and you maybe think, oh, the crowd are going to be going for Vesely, you're going to be supporting him, but from ball one, he dominated that match. Absolutely yeah. dominated it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not really surprised he came through that as well as he did, but I think it was still quite surprising that he 
hit a level as high as he did in the final, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's quite a, you know, like as soon as he's got a final to play, you know, he'll leave it all out on court. You know, he keeps talking about how knackered he is, but it doesn't mm. seem to matter that much when it comes to well, the final I'll, day of I'll the tournament. Cincinnati final. You won't want to be reminded of the Cincinnati final. But... Monte Carlo as well, maybe. I don't know, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Monte Carlo. That, that's, they're, they're both different, though. No, you know, that's that's big players taking advantage of weaknesses of Rublev that other people can't. Was you know, the second serve sort of yeah. thing. This was different in that, okay, yeah, he was the heavy favourite. He has been the heavy favourite in plenty of other finals, but he always comes out and plays pretty much close to his best tennis. Yep, hit over 20 winners in the final as well, I think with like two unforced errors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he talked about how knackered he was after the match and stuff, so fair play to the guy. Mm. He has now won five ATP 500 titles, it's more than... 500s. He could yeah, do like, the 500 this... slam. That's my theory. He could do like, yeah. he might just play Acapulco next year because he's not won it. He might do like the 500 slam. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, if you why can, not? yeah, why not? But it's more than Medvedev, Berrettini, Rude, Hurkat, Chapo, Ogre, Alisim, and Sinner combined. Which is, yeah, yeah, it's quite mental. Yeah, mental. I mean, uh, yeah, we talked about Medvedev's maybe sort of being under, uh, under motivated, even demotivated in yeah. the five hundreds. But still, you know, uh, it's still a very impressive stat. I, I, this is another tweet I made. Gabby might have seen this, but in case the viewers didn't see this, uh, the similarities to Ostapenko from the week before were just quite mm. quite funny. He took exactly the same route Ostapenko did. Won his first match in straight sets, won the next three from a set down and won his last match in straight sets in Dubai, just like Ostapenko. I just uh, I thought it was quite bizarre stuff. It's quite bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. I think we'll move on to Doha now. Move on to Doha. You can take the lead in this. I know you've been watching quite a bit of it. So. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I will try and limit it to the last few matches. One thing I would note, though, quite important mm-hmm. to say, Caroline Garcia got one of the biggest wins of her over ha- comeback. Yeah, over Halep, yeah. A lot of doubters maybe say Garcia was, is never going to get anywhere near the top four again. This match maybe put that to bed. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying those doubters had anything to be ashamed of, never, to be never honest. Say never in the women's game, that's what I Of course, saying. yeah, of course. Yeah, but I mean, Garcia hadn't played that well for a long time. I, 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 will, I will say that. It didn't look like she was playing top four tennis again, at least. Against Halep, she was amazing. She was really, really good. Like, I, I yeah, I, I would just, I wouldn't count your chickens, definitely. I, there's a chance Garcia could put some of her tennis together again, definitely. Top 20, maybe. don't know. Mm-hmm. Went on to lose to Coco Golf. Yep. I, I think I'll move just on to the semis in the final, so we keep this moving along a bit. One yeah, of the yeah. semis, Contivate versus Ostapenko, looked like an amazing match on paper. But a lot of it was quite a good match, but there was some bizarre changes in momentum. One of the most bizarre things, obviously, Contivate on an eight-match win streak as well, Ostapenko on an eight-match win streak, one of their streaks had to end. Mm. One of the most bizarre things at the start of the first set, after going up 40-love on her serve, Ostapenko had a first serve that looked in. Contivate challenged it. Hawkeye kind of only challenged it just out of like why not you know fuck it I'll see if it's in or not 30 seconds later the challenge came out it was less than a millimetre well it looked like less than a millimetre out it didn't look like much anyway which you know Hawkeye's margin for error is 3.6 millimetres but we'll, you know, we'll forget about that Ostapenko had to serve again lost 23 of the next 25 points <laughs> down, down a break in the second set at that point I, I just it actually baffles me how you can lose that much rhythm, but I guess it happens. Ostapenko obviously is one of the most, you know, rhythmic players on the tour. Of course she is, but that's still, that is exceptional. That is an exceptional mm. loss in, in form. 
in a very, very quick amount of time. She did manage a bit of a fight back, kind of came back from a double breakdown to make it one break in the second set, had a break point at 5-4 to even things out. Contrary hit a dead net cord on break back point and uh, eventually went on to win the match. Obviously, uh, if you've seen yeah. any of Ostapenko's matches, she has a face like Fizz quite a lot of the time when <laughs> things don't go her way. <laughs> she was absolutely raging. It was quite funny. Good match, though. It kind of just turned out quite dramatic and stuff. Honestly, Ostapenko, you know, tactically isn't the most diverse player, I would say. You know, it's kind of just mm-hmm. see ball, hit ball, right? But yeah. it, it was still a very, you know, still a good match to watch, definitely. Uh, the other semi-final, this was this was far more un- uh, surprising, definitely. Sakari v. Schwantek. Schwantek managed to beat Maria Sakari. Obviously, she had played her three times in the past, all last year. She had lost to Sakari all three times, all in straight sets. That one at the French Open, probably the hardest to stomach, of course. Sakari has a game that can trouble her in that she can fly through service games, certainly rush her forehand quite easily with that serve. And that obviously makes the difference in a lot of these sets, just you know, the odd service game here or there. She has very sort of linear shots, kind of deep down the middle, quick, but maybe not with loads of angle, but able to sort of again rush that forehand, get up in the point and then put the ball away. It's not something that Swantec's been able to deal with easily in the past, even at the French Open, you know, where the balls maybe go a little bit slower, but um, not slow enough for Sakharis to still, you know, she still had that advantage. It was quite interesting to see that dynamic turned on its head because Sakari was still going for the same tactics. She went up a break in both sets, incidentally. But Schwantek, that forehand just wasn't getting rushed this time. And certainly on the backhand as well, I think maybe that's where the biggest improvements have been made in a hard court. Start with the forehand, though. I, I, she was able to take it down the line so easily. I, it just looked like she had time. Maybe Doha helps a little bit. It's a little bit slower than some of the other hard courts. But obviously, you know, French Open's still fairly slow. Shontek just looked able to set up that forehand over and over again. It didn't matter how deep or hard Sakari was able to hit it in the court. Shontek was able to respond with something bigger and better. I, you know, that forehand is it's not underrated at all, I don't think. But it, it should start being considered one of the biggest shots on the More of a weapon, tour. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 it might be sort of top three biggest weapons on the tour, like quite easily. It's it's absolutely huge when it's on. So she was able to turn the match around using that basically. I mean, going down the line so well, like uh, she barely missed one when she tried. So obviously, the amount of spin she puts in the ball, it's yeah. not surprising. But um, yeah, we've also talked about that in the past. I think Shantek's poor record from a set down, poor record on hard courts versus top ten. Both of those records sort of turned on their head this week. Okay, you know, she wasn't a set down, but she was able to sort of turn a losing match into a winning match just by digging in. It's certainly something she's been working on. Versus top 10 as well, she was 1-4 on hard courts before this week. She is now 4-all, having beat Sabalenka, Sakari and Contivate back-to-back. Insane. Not too like, bad. She's, yeah, she's completely <laughs> changed her hard court record around. Again, I think it helps that it was a little bit slower this week. I'm still not convinced... I mean, Australia was good, but it was a very scrappy route to the semi-final. I mean, she was good in Australia. This is the thing. This is, this is how big her game is. Her, her forehand's amazing, but, you know, her serve, her second serve in particular, was trash, and she still managed to get to the semi-finals. So mm-hmm. here, when the, the conditions just suited her a little bit more, and she was finding that serve as well, it, she, she looked unstoppable for a while. And against Contivate in the final, wow. I mean, loving too. I, I, yeah. I, I'm... I'm still not convinced Contivate can 
packet on a, a sore surface, but I was not expecting a eleven two final, obviously. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean it just looked like Shontek had masses of time on every single ground stroke she set up and contribute. You know, she can get rushed in that forward really easily, more so than Zachary, definitely. Zachary, yeah. more so than uh, Shontek even. And uh, yeah, okay, the first few games were quite close. Shontek still clearly had a bit of an advantage though, and then it all just spiraled out of control. Yeah, so. and that's another area where the two of the two tours need to work better together because you've got two finals starting at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh my God. The Dubai final, it's like, can we not just sort this out? Just a basic, you know, conversation. You'd have like one final afternoon, one final in the evening. You have like one after the other almost. I just don't understand why we have to have finals start at the same time. Yeah, I suppose the fact that maybe they're in the same time zone probably didn't help matters because there might be an ideal time yeah, yeah. for it to start. Weather-wise, start at night, you know what I mean? Yeah, that certainly would have made the final of, of Doha a bit closer, I think. But mm. um, it certainly was in Schwantek's favour that it was during the day. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, super interesting tournament. I think I'll do a little bit more about that because this is a really big tournament for Schwantek. She really hadn't properly proven herself on hard courts yet. So for her to make this breakthrough, really, really big deal. So I'll be making a bit more of an analysis about it for sure. Still not convinced how well she can do in a quicker hard court but that's not going to matter because for the next few months it's all going to be slow 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 so it is going to be slow yeah so it's going to be right in our view moving on i think gav we can move on to santiago quickly we'll do santiago and guadalajara very quickly just to to wrap up yeah ben which tennis tv seemed to forgot even existed until wednesday before posting highlights which i don't understand uh sebastian baez and pedro martinez in the final not gonna lie i thought baez would win but he, you know, Martinez fair played and came back from a set down. And uh, I think Martinez, to be fair, made the final in Kitzbühel, Kitzbühel last year. Yes. And I was very impressed with him when he played Rublev at the US Open. I thought he really showed his qualities there. He's a typical player. You know, he doesn't give up from the back. He might not have a big weight <laughs> yeah. shot, but he's going to... I was going to say he's about as typically Spanish as they come. He is, yeah. Even with yeah. down to the grunt. You know, I mean, yeah. his grunt might be second to only Federico Correa for being the most annoying. I don't, if you've not seen Correa's grunt, you don't want to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, I, I like watching these players. A lot of people say, oh, he's just a clay court player. Nonsense. You know, you don't realise the fitness these guys have got to have from the back of the court, the consistency to execute balls, you know, deep in the court, the yeah. defensive skills they've got to have. I'm still I, I, at the same time. I'm not. I don't. I'm not mega convinced he can beat some of the best players in the world on hard courts yet. No, he's, I don't think so. He's no. got quite a big game, certainly relative to a few other Spanish players. You know, maybe bigger serve than quite a few other players. Uh, bigger yeah. forehand when it's on. Just a Against tiny it. little less solid, but he's still pretty solid. You know, oh, uh, he's definitely solid. I don't know whether he's got the firepower related really that. Like, can you see him beating a Berrettini in a clay? He's, well, he, for me, he's the kind of guy that if one of the big players was having an off day, he might be able to sneak it just by sheer solidness, basically. Mm. You know, he's, he's, he's certainly maybe worthy of... He's worthy of top 50, definitely. Oh, but, 100%, yeah. But, I don't know. Mm, I don't, yeah. I, I'm not convinced he can do much more than that yet. Is all not, I would say. But, but this is a massive breakthrough for him. I mean, the, the guy hadn't... Yeah, this is the one. T- this is the fourth quarterfinal, ATP quarterfinal of his his fairly young career-ish. Mm. Well, not that young actually, compared to somebody like Baez. Um, that that's my point. You know, he's been around a wee while. This is kind of a breakthrough tournament for him, and that he's not yep. made many quarterfinals before. 
okay, so maybe you'll you'll build on that momentum, but at the same time, I'm, you know, it can go either way. Outside of the two fifties, I don't see him winning like the thousand masters or five hundred. Yeah. Maybe maybe have a good run in the five hundreds. It depends, but two fifties. Maybe. Maybe you don't look. It, take, it, take, it takes a couple of big, big wins nowadays to win a five hundred. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I'm, I'm more impressed. Not more impressed, but certainly I'm like thinking that this Baez guy's got a lot of potential from this run to the final this week. You know, he's got he such good touch. Obviously, super quick around the court. He's, he's like not Diego just a, he's like a young. He's not just a copy and paste Diego Schwartzman. I would he's say sort that. Of, he's similar. <laughs> he is similar. He's, he's similar, similar. Yeah. He's not Diego yet, but he's similar to Diego. He likes a bit more of that sort of touchy stuff, I think, like touchy feely yeah, stuff. Got, he plays more drop uh, shots in the fourth court than that. Yeah. Like you, the visual aesthetic of the backwards hat, the sort of similar style on the forehand and the backhand, it is like similar the to Diego Schwartzman. The nationality. Nationality, the, yeah. yeah. Um, he, he, for me, the, the, he's got a bigger forehand. That backhand of Schwartzman is probably right up there with one of the best on tour, definitely. So mm. there's that, you know, I suppose their respective wings, maybe their strengths fall into the other wing. That's about yep. it, though. Uh, he's, he's, he's very, very similar. Um, he's going to be one of those guys again, like Schwarzman. He could get beat by anybody. Probably could beat anybody as well, though. Yeah. On it, you know, you know, like yeah, it, it, that's just that just happens if you've not got a good. That just that just happens if you've not got a massive serving there to beat her. That's fair enough, isn't it? You know what you're I mean? Right, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So it just happens of height, but yeah, he also has the advantage of being able to beat a lot of people that they couldn't get beat other, you know, by somebody just a middling player generally. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, excited to see where Baez goes with this and uh, fair play to Martinez, he could build on that definitely Absolutely. finally just a Guad- few points Guad- about Guadalajara <laughs> though admittedly I only saw a few matches um, the, the, the one I can talk about though Fruvatova, Brenda Fruvatova that is, there's two of them made her WTA main draw debut at only 14 years old, received a wild card into qualies after she won the two ITF titles the, the week yep, before, the, in, the, in the previous weeks, defeated Leonie Kung and former number five, Sarah Rani. I can't remember how high Sarah Rani got. So I'll yeah, just go with that. Spineless as well. Yeah, just say that, at least, yep. She won only four games against Sloan Stevens in the first round, but obviously Sloan Stevens went on to win the title, to be fair. First title for Sloan Stevens in four years as well, incidentally. Mental given the talent she's got. I know, yeah, yeah. Um, Fruvatova obviously wasn't going to win that match. I mean, in hindsight, I, you know, easily could have lost it. Or easily could have only won four games. I think that's fair enough. Forehand's still not quite, you know, what it's going to be at only fourteen year old years old. Found with a lot of these juniors, obviously the backhand's going to be the stronger wing because you can use more of your body. You've got both sides of your body into the shot. Her backhand in particular, though, is scary good. Like that's already a sort of top fifty shot. That's yeah. the thing. Like, she, she can hit it so, so well. The rest of the game's still catching up. So look out for her. It might still be a few years yet before the, her serve and her forehand catch up in particular, but very exciting prospect after that match. That, Absolutely. It was amazing, even though she only won four games. Sloane Stevens though, managed to beat Marie Buzkova in the final. Do you know, Gab, I, I didn't see any of it, so I don't I really know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's so there, much going on, to be fair. There was a lot on, yeah, so exactly. It's just good for... on at the same time as well. It's like Yeah, exactly. Well, it's good It's good for her to win her first title in four years. I don't know if we need to see much more than that. You know, maybe the marriage helped, we could say that. You know, <laughs> she, she's been mentioning it, to be fair. It's not just me. It's, she, she, funny, yeah. She's joked about it, saying, you I know, as a... Yeah. 
I manage women that's manage women that helps definitely, but maybe it does. Maybe I don't know. know. Maybe. Takes a bit of pressure off. Um, yeah, brilliant win for her. It's not actually the kind of place I would have expected to do very well in as well, Guadalajara. It's not really conditions that suit her down to a T, so maybe it is just the manage. I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't have much more to say on it apart from that, really. I think that's. Yeah, I think that's all we can cover this week. I don't know if there's anything we've missed out. Pretty sure. I don't think so. I can't think we've missed out anything. Um, I don't think so. Is, no. I'm pretty sure that's it. It's, it's going to be a quiet week on tour, I think, Gav. By the looks of it. I think there's only is there one WT event, two WT events this week. No uh, ATP events, though. Probably the only week of the year. Ah, they're too busy celebrating Martinez 251, I think. Yeah, that's fair. That's that fair, yeah. <laughs> A week long party. <laughs> party in Santiago, yeah. Love it. I've been the 250s. Yeah, <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's going to be very quiet. If there's going to be a pod, it'll be quite a subdued one, probably. Yeah. Um, shall I look up the WTA tournaments? WTA Leon is one. Leon? Yeah. And... yeah. That might be it. <laughs> that may be it. Wow. Uh, no, Monterey. Monterey. So, we've got Leon and Monterey. Monterey was Fernandez last year and Leon I think was Coco Golf or was it no it was Towson Towson yeah so it's uh, the events where the the youngsters like to win basically it has to be a, a teen winner probably so could yep. be an up and cover winning that could be exciting but uh, other than yeah. that not going to be much challenger this week just very quickly one yes Flory, yeah yeah Flory challenger I think it's Flory yeah, that's, a, that, that's Flory Forley 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 yeah yeah um, that that's a big deal. That is actually yeah, just worth he, mentioning. He came back from a set down two or three times, didn't he, to win that? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think that's his, it could be his third of the season. Second yeah. or third. And it might be his third challenger. What else is interesting about that challenger? Yuri Lehechka lost 11-2 in the first round. Really? Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. Yep. Jeez, oh. Okay. Back to the week. I was just picking up like, just just to no end in the last one. Damn, <laughs> I wouldn't have got that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, the reason this is a big deal for a tennis layman, three challenger titles. That's, I mean, Tate Lee and Brody, for example, 27 years old, I think. Yeah. He has been around a long time, made a lot of finals of challengers, but only won his first challenger title within the last you know, 52 weeks. My point is, winning a challenger isn't easy. He's won three already. He's already like 140 odd in the world at 20 yeah. years old. Be interesting to see if he gets a wild card to Miami because he got one last year and he sort of remember he was injured. He, he couldn't remember. He yeah, he collapsed. You know, cramps. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Type of retire. So be interesting. I think they'll give him one because of his achievements. He's taken a set off Novak at Wimbledon. He's made the yeah. quarter, quarter queens. He beat Sinner on first round. Yes. Match that tournament, and uh, he's won three challenges, so he's got to be getting a wild card surely into Miami. Yeah, I, my point is basically this guy could be one of the first sort of breakthrough people from from Britain in, in a while. Post Andy, yeah, yeah, post Andy, yeah, post, the first post Andy, pretty much, yeah, first post Andy. Yeah, I mean, Cam Norrie kind of counts. I don't know, but. Dan Evans. <laughs> Yeah, the two of them, I suppose, have kind of peaked, but obviously, they, they, no, but they were they were already around, weren't they? Yeah, so this is like the, the first first new prospect post Andy, which yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it's brilliant news, definitely. Yeah, thanks for reminding me about that gap. That was useful. Catch us next time. We're not sure exactly what we're going to be covering, but you know, it'll be as exciting as ever, I'm sure. 
<laughs> thanks very much Gav and thank Good you work. listener for, for listening this far through if you want to catch any of my work you can catch it at jackedward.substack.com if you want to catch any of Gav's work last go to last word in tennis or tennis yeah at last word in tennis yeah last word in sport for a bit of his predictions thanks very much guys we'll catch you next time on the online tennis podcast cheers, cheers. thank you thank you bye, bye.